a lot to see. Yeah, one of my favorite subjects. We're gonna look. We're gonna look up almost every verse. Yeah, that's. You, I, I mean, what? I only expect that. Yeah, you expect nothing less. I only expect that. Yep. All right, can you start us off with a word of prayer? Yeah, Father God, we are grateful and thankful, thankful, Father, for for who you are as the sovereign Lord of all the earth and yet our personal Savior. We are thankful that you wrote our names down in the Lamb's Book of Life before we were ever in existence. You knew us. You knew us lovingly and personally and intimately. You, you are a God like no other, and we are grateful. We thank you for you. Because of you, we have all that we need. Because of you, we have all that we could ever want. So we praise your name. And now in this podcast, we want to lift high your name. And we want to do that by exalting your truth, by declaring your truth, and by your grace, submitting to your truth in every way. Help us to be helpful and help us to do all things in the, through the exaltation of Christ. For the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. It has been a long time since you've heard that, and that is good because the anticipation has been building all that time. Kind of like anticipating the return of a king. Watch out. I don't know. Watch out. <laughs> or the the or or anticipating the birth of a king. Either either way, either, either way you look at it. Either way, he's coming. Yeah, it's either way he's coming through. So, <laughs> with me today, obviously, is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I am blessed beyond belief. Awesome. I am blessed to be with you, and uh, I'm going to jump right into it. Um, I do want to uh, preface something real quick here. Uh, we are recording this, uh, and I'm probably going to release this today because it's, it's no use in, in waiting because y'all have been waiting for long enough. Uh, Today is considered, it's been called Black Friday. So I kind of toyed with some ideas for our merch, our merch site. And uh, it's like, hey, you know, have a Black Friday sale, do this, do that. And I was like, you know what? Why do that? Why have a Black Friday sale? Uh, but I will make this announcement. All of the, everything that is on the site has been reduced in price. And that is going to be in place forever there till, you go till the king returns so every day is a black friday every day is a black friday every day every day is a good friday how about that <laughs> every day is a good friday amen so i i just i just changed all the prices and there you go so uh kids kids stuff is the cheapest um yeah because somehow people that go to bellcroft have many many children all at the same time yeah so you know just make it easy but I, I figured out a new way to reduce the price. At first it was low and I was like, oh, I can do this now. So I reduced the prices on everything. We got your hat up there, Matt. Um, we have some new stuff for Christmas as well that's there. So check it out. My, and My hat? Yeah. I'll have to go up and look at it. Yeah. I haven't well, looked on it for a while. Well, I, you like a certain type of hat. The okay. same type of hat I've seen you wear all okay. the time. All so right. Good. If, if you wait long enough. Yeah. You know, somebody might buy you one for Christmas. I'm yeah, just saying. I'm I, I, that out there. You know, you never know. Yeah, so <laughs> just you know, somebody might do that. So, <laughs> all right. Um, and I also have to start this off this way. Uh, I made a mistake on the podcast. I think a couple weeks ago. Um, and I want you to 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 correct me on this. How many points does this deer on your wall have? Um, the one in my office. Yes. 
Uh, I think it's a seven point or an eight point. I can't remember. It's got small brow tines. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's a seven point. Okay, I yeah. said eight. Yeah, it's it should be an eight. Now, if you count the one little one there, the sticker that's coming off, then it mm-hmm. would be an eight. It just depends on how you count it. Okay. So uh, it's the biggest seven point I've ever killed. Okay. Yeah, that's why he's mounting because it's for a seven point. It's it's big. Right. Right. Yeah. I've got a fifteen point that's that's uh, on the wall as well. Now that's a that's a monster on the wall. Yeah. Oh, it's at my father in law's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. It is a big one. Yeah. 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 And uh, I am now planning a hunt. I'm trying to figure out what's going to be the best day, but I have someone that I'm going to go with yeah. that has done it. Because the biggest thing, I'm not I'm not intimidated by taking down a deer, Yeah. but what I am intimidated by is the field dressing. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah. yeah I'm a little intimidated. Now, I got a little bit of a taste of it yesterday because- uh, You were cleaning uh, out the turkey? Well, Beverly <laughs> wanted me to, uh, uh, the term is spatchcock a turkey. Yeah. And- you know, I was I was I was in that turkey. I was breaking the bones and yeah. cutting it open and all that stuff. So I was like, "Yeah, this is this is this is close. This yep. this is my practice right here." Yeah. So let me let me make sure this is done and and came out well. It's only I, about ten times bigger. Oh yeah, yeah, way bigger. So and and cutting down the 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 front the brisket. And, yeah, cutting that down and taking out all the all the insides and stuff yeah. like that. I'm I'm a little intimidated by that, but I'll have somebody with me uh that has done it many times. So uh yeah, we're gonna take it down. So uh I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm gonna do it. I gotta get some warm clothes. Warmer clothes I would say, because I know how it is early in the morning in, in the in the tree stand. I gotta get a a uh uh what is it? Uh uh the thing on your Orange. No yes. Well probably but yeah. A harness. Harness. Oh, yeah, for the harness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get a harness. Yeah, you got to have that. So. Yeah, so. I didn't know we were going to talk about this today. Well, it's your fault. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because you, you drove me to a certain <laughs> podcast and. Oh, have you listened to it? I listened to the entire thing <laughs> one and a half times. I listened to, because I had to go back and listen to a couple of different yeah. parts because I was like, that is just fascinating. Yeah. It is. And let me be very clear that Beverly hates the way I say acorns. She absolutely hates the way I say acorns. She, she's like, please stop doing that. Please stop doing that. I was like, this is the proper term. And, and then I'm going, I'm, 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 I went way deep into that podcast. And then, uh, it's good. Oh my goodness. It's just so good. But you know what? the, The thing about this is as I'm becoming more country, more and more every single day, culture brother yeah well culture. it yeah it's it's a different culture for me That's what i said to belcroft i'm bringing culture i yeah it is it is infecting me but you know what it has made me do and something that i it was it was kind of shocking and uh another podcast i listened to a bunch of country folk from arkansas no louisiana they're like you know i don't even sometimes i go and sit in the tree stand and i don't have a bow i don't have a gun nope. i just sit and look and watch the watch the sunrise and appreciate Done it many times. The the the, the, uh, the the creation of God, and I'm like, that is that is great. You know that it kind of just opened my eyes. I was like, man, like I can just look and see what God has created. That to me is a, a, a huge, a big win. You Amen. know, 
So, yeah. All right. So we're going to stop talking about that now because I could li- literally talk to you about. She said, why? I, I've wondered why all the acorns. She said acorns the, the incorrect way. Why is it that all the acorns were missing out of the, the, the parking lot? I said, because deer love them. Yep. It's like, and depending on what type of acorn it is, if it's a red red oak acorn, then they really love those because they're really fatty. She's like, you know way too much. I was like, that is a good podcast to listen to, I'm telling you. So, all right, what podcast that is, I'll let, I'll let Matt, you talk to Matt, and, 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 and he'll learn you on what, what it is. So, all right, so let's get into the actual uh, subject matter that we're going to talk about. So since it's Black Friday, I figure we talk about a black horse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not just the black horse, but all of that stuff. The last sermon that you did uh, on the 20th of November, uh, you, uh, you, you sparked my attention. And I had to go back mm-hmm. to uh, listen to it, um, you know, go, go and watch it again on YouTube because you threw out so many scriptures at once. I was like, I, I got to go back and, and mark them all down. And I read every one of them. And uh, I'm going to skip right past the first. Well, this is no, this is the second point. So the commands was the first point from that. Um, and so, so that we don't parachute in. Yep. Um, this is the. Uh, um, so you've gone through and you were talking in Mark 13. Yep. 14 through 23. Yep. Um, we talked about the sign. Yep. The setting. Yep. And the severity. Yep. Um, of. uh of the great tribulation, the great tribulation, which is in the, the which is in the lat the last portion of the yep, tribulation, last three and a half years. Yeah, and yep. the commands, um, you know, was the first point, and then the character was the second point. Yep, meaning the character of the great tribulation, and what you did, uh, you referenced um, how the Holocaust and the flood won't compare to what's coming. Yep. How severe it's going to be, and you gave uh, about. 16 references yep of what's going to happen all of them coming from revelation um yep i went and read those and yep. i i don't know I, I i was just i was just shocked yep at how clear uh it was but also how just very different like i've never seen these types of things mm-hmm. happen uh in scripture maybe i've i've missed that but mm-hmm. you know i've seen where water was poisoned mm-hmm. but not to the degree that the entire ocean mm-hmm. got to that point mm-hmm. so i want to kind of walk through a few of these things but then i have a few questions mm-hmm. uh, about this mm-hmm. so um the first thing is that well the first reference you gave was revelation 6 yep. 12 through 17 mm-hmm. an earthquake that shakes the entire globe now yep. um you lived in california for a while yep Yep. Did you experience an earthquake there? Yep. Yep. A couple of them. And uh, what was that like? It's, I've... it's unnerving. Okay. It's unnerving. It's it's having been through a number of different natural disasters and uh, natural cosmic things like hurricanes and things like that. The earth the earthquake it's the only word I can I can use to describe it. It's unnerving. It it rattles you because. It's coming from underneath of you. Mm-hmm. You can hear it coming, and every time this happened, you can hear it coming before it hits. It kind of sounds like a train almost, and it kind of startles you, and you're like, "What is that?" And then, obviously, once you go through it a couple times, then you know, oh, mm-hmm. "Here we go." And so you kind of brace yourself, and and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. There's two different types. 
one is more severe than the other, the way the, the, way the plates are shifting. Um, so it depends on which type it is. But, um, yeah, I remember, I remember the, one of the bigger ones we had, um, we were laying in bed. It was an early one morning, and Amy and I were already up, but we were talking and laying in bed, and you could hear it coming. And she's like, what is that? I said, get ready, it's an earthquake. And, I mean, within seconds, you could hear it coming, and then it's just like in the bed shaking, the windows are shaking, mm. the apartment was shaking, and then you're just, you just, you just, there's nothing you can do. Mm. You're just sitting there, and you're just like, all right, here we go. And, and then it, you know, it just keeps going, it moves on. Obviously, kids come running in and whatnot, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said all that you said because I'm going somewhere and yeah. you are setting setting it up for yeah. that because one of the other national or, or, or uh, entire glo- global yeah. disasters yep. was uh, the second one, which is Revelation 8, 6 through 7, yeah. uh, hell, Hellfire. Yes. Um, you were, And is that the one where there were... No, that was Revelation sixteen seventeen. Yeah, where the where hail. There, there was yeah. bigger hail. Hundred pounds. Hundred pound hailstones. Yep. yep. Uh, coming out, and one that was very interesting. Um, and you said it. You, you kind of said it in passing, but if you actually read the scripture, Revelation sixteen twelve, um, <clears throat> when it's speaking about the Euphrates River drying up. Yep. Yep. Um, it references. Is that the battle? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I said in passing. There's a reason why the Euphrates dries up. Mm -hmm. He dries it up as part of as part of the his sovereign plan for setting the stage for the war that's coming. Yeah. It it doesn't say battle specifically. It says kings from the east. Yes. Yes. And they're going to use the Euphrates River to come in to come into the um, to Palestine to that part of Palestine, but. But obviously, he's drying it up through the severe heat and everything that's going on in the natural disasters that are happening. They're labeled natural disasters, but we know they're sovereignly happening through the seal, bowl, and trumpet judgments that he's mm-hmm. pouring out upon the earth. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty wild when you think about it, a whole river just drying up like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, again, he's preparing. Everything is happening even as we'll see this Sunday, everything is happening in preparation for his return and in light of his judgment upon the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, nothing is haphazard even in his judgment. He's not just, you know, he's not just creating an earthquake just because he can. It's all in preparation mm-hmm. to draw, you know, the elect to himself, to uh, judge the wicked, and to set the stage for Armageddon and everything that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... The the as far as like the list, the second one is the hailfire that is going to consume a third of the Earth's vegetation. Yep. And yep, um, is that a well? I don't know if the the text says it, but I, I think the text was talking about like uh, trees. But I would imagine that everything. would be food sources. Every, well. Everything, every yeah. every form of veg- vegetation, grass, trees, shrubs, fruit. You know, any 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 kind of. A plant that grows will be a third of. Obviously, that's when you consider the entire globe. That is a ton of vegetation, yeah. forests. Yeah, you know, I mean, and then obviously that creates that create because that's part of the escal, you know, the escalation of tribulation. Because if you take away a third of the vegetation from the earth, then that creates in and of itself its own disaster. Because mm-hmm. now when it rains, all the soil washes away, and you've got mudslides 
take away a third of the Amazon. What does that do with with weather? And so there's there's so many consequential uh, results, negative results from what is happening that most people don't realize as well. I mean, just like an earthquake, you have an earthquake that that creates structural issues, and then you have the repercussions of that that keep coming right mm-hmm. buildings falling over weeks later because the earthquake there's it's just we often think of it in in an event mm-hmm. driven deal like that that earthquake but then you forget no what about all the uh after effects mm-hmm. whether it's the ripple of the ongoing earthquake or the buildings falling over or the disease that now happens because of infections i mean it's uh, it's it's more horrific than we can even imagine, and uh, that's why when you start thinking about it, you're just like, oh my man, this is this is truly going to be hell on earth, and mm-hmm. and it is, yeah, it is. Wow! And the next one that you mentioned was uh, a third of the water being poisoned. Yep. Revelation eight ten. Yep. Yep. Um, then Revelation eight twelve. Uh, this is the fourth angel. Yep. Um, darkness. Uh, uh, yep. A third of the stars were struck, so that the third of them would be darkened, mm-hmm. and the day would not shine uh, for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So. Uh, basically parts of Alaska for parts of the year uh, mm-hmm. across the entire earth, just yeah. darkness. Yep. But it's not a light in the sky. Uh, yeah. the, 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 the stars would be, you know, will come out of the sky. Um, yep. And you think about like um, how that's going to, obviously mentally, emotionally, that's going to mm-hmm. be so unnerving. Yeah. Uh, even physically, mm-hmm. right? Because there is a, there is a, um, a, uh, an emotional, mental, even biological impact from the sun, right? When you don't get enough sun, it affects your body physically, yeah, right? And some certain people are really affected by that. And, uh, I mean, we're meant to have so much vitamin E uh, that comes naturally from the sun. That's how we're created. So you take that away, and you mm-hmm. start, again, the, um, again, just the repercussions of the natural consequences from the wrath. Like, right. we don't think of that. We yeah. don't think of that. And... Yet that's part of it as well. This isn't just a one day it becomes dark. No, this is how it's going to be throughout mm-hmm. those three and a half years. He's going to create essentially what's going on. And I'll talk about this more on this coming Sunday. But, you know, Christ is Lord of all. He is sovereign over everything. He is controlling the earth. Hebrews 1, he holds the entire universe in his hands. It's the only reason the quote-unquote laws of nature exist. Mm-hmm. They're not really the laws of nature. They're the laws of Christ. <clears throat> he controls gravity, and gravity does what it does because he he does it, mm-hmm. right? He controls it. And what is happening here is he's all those laws of nature, he's turning them on their head. Stars are falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. What in the world is that, right? Mm-hmm. That's the laws of nature that we've kind of grown to essentially live our lives around. Mm-hmm. Planes fly because of the laws of nature, ships float because of the laws. I mean, everything we do is based around these natural laws that God himself put into place that Christ is holding in place. But the minute Christ starts to let his hands go, that's he's shaking the entire universe. Mm. The laws that were in place that he held there, he is the gravity that holds the sun and the and the earth so far apart and not too close to where we either burn up or freeze up, right? It's, he does all that. He holds the planets in rotation. Well, they're going to stop rotating like they've been doing. He's mm. going to start changing everything just simply by loosening his grip. That is... That's, yeah. yeah, and that's what's going on with a lot of these cosmic 
these cosmic judgments that are happening is he's just simply loosening his grip and shaking. I love the language. It says he shakes the heavens. I mean, it's a visual that I think we need to have, but we don't have, because Christ literally is holding the universe in his hand in the Mm -hmm. sense of he's upholding it, as Hebrews 1 says, by the word of his mouth, by the word of his power. He he holds it all together. The planets are where they are. They rotate. They do what they do. The stars have stayed in their spot. He's named every single one of them, Psalm 145. He he is the reason we can navigate. He is the reason birds migrate. They use Mm -hmm. the sun. They use the moon. They use the gravitational force. And so do we in our GPS and all of that. Well, then he's going to turn it all. He's going to flip it all on its head, Mm -hmm. all of it, because he can. He's again demonstrating, I'm Lord over all of this. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge. And so he's literally going to turn everything upside down uh, as an act of judgment, but also as a manifestation of his power. Mm-hmm. That there's no one else that can do this. Mm. He's controlling it all. That which looks so vast and almost um, timeless and spaceless, i.e. the universe outside of, outside of the Milky Way, right? That we have barely even plumbed the depths. Christ is... He's holding it all together and goes, let me show you. I'll show you how powerful I am. Watch. Mm-hmm. Stars just start falling. 100-pound hailstones, mm-hmm. earthquakes that shake not just the location, but the entire globe, the entire foundation of the earth. That's because he holds it all together, and it's not work for him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I stepped out for like a second while you were preaching this, and I saw Dave Olson in the hallway, you know, being Dave Olson, <laughs> and I looked at him and said, "Hey, this is Matt's climate change sermon." Because <laughs> as you were talking, I'm like, "How?" I was thinking, "How silly!" Yeah, you know, I get how silly people are to think that yeah. the reason why hurricanes are happening or a tornado is happening is every time it happens, it's like, you see, you see, we need to do better with the environment. We need to get rid of, you know, all this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, how foolish is that, that we are looking at a tornado or a hurricane happening because of something that we did. Yeah. And it makes me pause for a second. And, you know, obviously I got to think of all the the stupid things that I do, you know, but like, man, like we are literally giving man so much control and you use that word. Yeah. God has it. It's like, why are we giving man even thinking that man has that much control? Yeah. I, I got, um, I, I think at least at Belcroft, it's no secret on the irritation I get with the climate change mm-hmm. lies because it's lies. So much of it's lies. However, that's not to say that there are not ramifications and consequences because of what man does. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. That's mm-hmm. crystal clear. Mm-hmm. You start putting plastic in the ocean, as we have, it's going to have effects mm-hmm. on on marine life and life in general. You know, you start spraying pesticides across all the orchards across our nation, and sooner or later, that's going to filter down mm-hmm. into the water source. I mean, you know, obviously, right? You start burning fossil fuels to the rate that we have and obviously it's gonna it's gonna have effect so uh, obviously that's a no-brainer and we we should do all we can to uh to uh, be wise and good stewards of creation and here's here's where the rubber meets the road for me is because creation was essentially given to us 
Mm. Okay. So God makes creation and he makes man last and he puts us over creation. So we weren't made for creation. This is the, this is the uh, confusion of when you have unbelievers running the show, mm. right? They see us as essentially we're made for creation. Like creation rules over us, and that's what we're doing right now. We're worshiping it, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're allowing creation to drive uh, the national ship, so to speak, versus we're to drive the ship and use creation to make our life better, mm. to make our abilities more conducive to living a God-honoring life. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible calls having dominion. It's one of the first commands given by God that has never been taken away. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it will go on for all eternity. It's one of the commands that we will finally fulfill in heaven in for all eternity. We're not going to be floating around on harps singing kumbaya. We will have dominion over a renewed earth forever because that's what we were created to do. We were created to live in submission and in fellowship with the king while having dominion over the creation he has made and thus enjoying life and him forever while we serve and have dominion. So this is never going away, but what what the difference will be is we will not have the restraints of sin and and all of that, and we won't have people telling us to not drill for oil and all of that nonsense. That's part of having dominion. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. And yes, make solar panels. You can do it better, obviously. That's part of having dominion. Use the sun. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I'm not against that, and nobody should be in that sense. What I'm against is being subservient to the creation. That's a joke. Mm. That's ridiculous. That's that's uh, idolatrous in reverse, right? We're now we're worshiping creation. Mm-hmm. When creation was made for us by God's design, He put us over it and said, "Till it, protect it, guard it, be stewards of it." And that's why we should be good stewards of our planet and good stewards of the resources. And we shouldn't use them all up like selfish, greedy people. We should we should be wise, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe in climate stewardship. I think that's the biblical model, mm-hmm. right? Not in climate alarmism, because the Bible's clear. It's all going to burn up anyway. It's all going down. The ship is sinking. Mm-hmm. It is obvious. And then so the, all of these laws and ridiculous things that go forward that are unhelpful, utterly unhelpful, that make our country weaker, that make our position in life worse, that doesn't help, it's all a joke. It's wrong. That's not right. Mm. And that's what's happening with the whole climate change. And and uh, my eschatology and my theology protects me from embracing that nonsense mm-hmm. because I know what the Bible says, what's going to happen to the climate. That doesn't give me the right to destroy it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my prerogative. God will do that. He's given me the, the command to have dominion, to take charge, to kill weeds, <laughs> to do these mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's done, to yeah. cut down dead trees, all the, all of this stuff, to take you know animal life where it needs to be taken and those kind of things. That's, that's having dominion, to explore the universe. That's having dominion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we should do. That's how he made us, and that's what he gave us the charge to do. And in so doing, glorify him and grow in our understanding of him. And so, but this idea of, of that we have fostered upon us is just a... It's just a bag full of lies mm-hmm. that's distracting and minimizing of the place in creation that God has placed man as mm-hmm. the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. We are the pinnacle of creation. Obviously, we're nowhere 
we're not even in the same universe with Christ because he's not created. He is the creator, so I'm not at all speaking in any kind of, uh, somehow we're deified, not at all. That's how pagans see it. There's no deification of man, but there is the pinnacle of creation, and that is man. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so I've got issues there. But this passage and our eschatology is helpful in protecting, in protecting us against the, the lies of our culture and the lies of, of the climate alarmist agenda, which is, which is selfish, self-centered, and self-serving. Mm-hmm. It really is, and it's not helpful at all. Yeah. And so much of it is even flat-out, blanketed lies, yeah. just lies, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, there's some things that need to be addressed and some things that need to be done, but the bulk of it is just lies. And and I'm not speaking that as a scientist because I'm not, but I've read scientists, mm-hmm. scientists who are good guys, who are Christians, who have proven it and showed it. It's just like, no, this, this is not an issue. This is not a problem. This does not mean what they say. Yeah. So... That's what I'm. That's that's the basis of which I'm speaking from. Yeah, that's good. I, I love it. Um, and and that pulls us to the next one because I mean, even uh, uh, climate change activists at this point in uh, Revelation, when they when we go to Revelation nine, verses one through twelve, um, th- this opened my eyes to a completely different. Yeah, because this was when the demons were released yep. onto the earth. Mm-hmm. Now this has nothing to do with climate change. This is nope. the, the the power of God on display. Yep. That that He is was holding this back, and now the 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 fifth angel has sounded uh, the yep. the trumpet, and this really, I mean, I was just like, wow. I like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of seeing this in my head, yep. like this this all this smoke just coming up from this bottomless pit. Yeah, and yeah. You talk about chills. Oh, yeah. This gave me chills as well. Um, But uh, that was one. Then right into it, the the next section, uh, verse 13, a third of the earth's population dies. Yep. Uh, Yeah. A a couple weeks ago or last week, they said that we have gotten up to 8 billion. We're over 8 billion. Yeah, Yeah. 8 billion people. And what was the number that you said if it happened today? Yeah. You remember? Yeah, it was, uh, well, it would be two, over two and a half billion. Okay. So it'd be, if a third of the earth dies at this point, just using that number, eight, eight billion as, mm-hmm. as a, as a point of reference, then you'd be looking at over two and a half billion people. I mean, I can't even compute that number yeah. personally. I, 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 you know, that's, that's just not my world. Like I, uh, billion, <laughs> like I just blows my mind yeah. how much death that would happen mm-hmm. in that time like that's more funerals than anybody can attend mm. right that's mm-hmm. more that's i mean that's like non-stop burial non-stop like it's just every day people are being buried like it's never ending mm. this is unbelievable yeah. it's it again it's 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 so shocking it's the point that's the point mm-hmm. it it's not only unnerving, it's there's almost like you don't have words to express the horror that is going to be happening at this time. And that's the part that we've got to get. We've got to see. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to uh, get ahead of where you're going, but um, I think it's interesting. Oh, well, keep going. I'll, I'll come here when you're done, when you're okay. done going through the, 
the the judgments. I'll I'll go there. I just don't want to cut it off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, I almost don't want to cut you off right now. Well, well, here's here's why. Because it's so horrific. It's so unnerving. It's so clear. And this is the part that I think in our day and age we see such uh, we see such blatant denial of God mm-hmm. and the rejection of the existence of God that we almost have this idea that at this time that'll kind of be still be going, but it won't. And because the judgments, the way that Christ is obviously breaking the seals and cast and flinging the bowls and blowing the trumpets of his judgments, the way he's doing it, it's obvious where they're coming from. So in the beginning of the tribulation, there obviously will be uh, no doubt people parroting climate change and natural disasters, and no doubt climate change will be a big part of this in the reasoning why these things are happening. Mm-hmm. No doubt in the beginning, right? When there's that first three and a half years and things are starting to escalate, but it won't be long into the, into the tribulation where it is so obvious that this is not a climate change. This is a, this is a cosmic change because the Lord of the earth is judging us. Mm-hmm. And the text says that multiple times, mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think is quite revealing to the depravity of man. Because now there's no, there's no more veil. There's no more hidden lies. No one has deceived themselves into thinking they're atheists and all this nonsense that, we've, that we live through now. Mm-hmm. No one is, is embracing the idea that God doesn't exist. Everyone knows he exists, and everyone knows that what is happening to them is coming by his own hand. And yet, and I'll read it. This isn't me making this up. This comes up multiple times. So um, let's just, in chapter 16, but like I said, it comes up multiple times. But it just in chapter 16, it says, verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his bowl on, uh, on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. And this one I brought up, mm-hmm. right, the scorching heat. Yep. And they were scorched by the fierce heat. Here it is. And they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. So they know it's coming from him. They have no doubt that all of the they no, notice not climate change, but cosmic change brought by Christ. Now watch the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. Notice they're cursing God. They know it's coming from him. Who does this sound like? I'll tell you. It's, who does this sound like? We've seen this act before. You say, who does it sound like? Yeah. Um, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. He knew yeah. it was coming from God. Moses told him, if you don't do this, these plagues are coming. Right. Right. And yeah. so this is, here we go again, right? Hardened heart. You see their hard heart. I was thinking what you were talking about Jesus when, when they were you know, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like well, yeah, and, the, and but even the Pharisees, they knew he was the Son of yeah. God, but they they wouldn't they wouldn't listen. It's that same heart, that hard heart. Now look over at the hailstones, uh, uh, verse twenty one of sixteen, and great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people. Here it is, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe you see it mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable mm-hmm. it's it's it, it it's scary 
what I've often what I've often said is the language that's used there, where it says they cursed God. I mean, that's literally what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're they 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 have their fist right clenched and they're shaking their fist at God and essentially cursing Him. All the expletives that you could think of is coming out of their mouth while they while they. Um, for lack of a better word, damn God, mm-hmm. rather than submit to God. So it's the reverse. Because mm-hmm. remember, the angel is, is flying through the heavens, mm-hmm. preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Again, no one is, we have to delete from our mind the lie that we're under now, the, the cloud of evolution, the mm-hmm. cloud of, of climate change and all of this. Mm-hmm. That's gone. It's completely gone. Yep. Everyone, listen, here you go. Everyone is a believer. Mm-hmm. Everyone on the face of the planet is a believer. Mm-hmm. They're just not submissive believers. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows, just like everyone will know. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. You could see it right here. They're, they're bowing and they're confessing. They are. They're bowing. They have to bow. Yeah. They're being forced to bow. He's throwing sores upon them. They're going to bow. Yeah. And, and they're confessing, but they're cursing. Mm-hmm. They're cursing. Yeah. And the, like, think of the imagery of that. Think of the heart. How hard and how depraved the heart must be to know that there is a way out, that, that all you have to do is bow the knee mm. in, a, in a true brokenhearted confession of your rebellion and sin and submit to Christ, and, it all, and it's done, mm. meaning your sins are forgiven. But they won't do it. They won't do it. It's a, it's a clear picture of the depravity of man. This would be us. Yeah. This would be every single person on the planet were it not for sovereign grace. Mm. So I think this is one of those times in the last days eschatology teaching that I think so much clarity comes to the depravity of man. And it's so sad because mm. it's what I've said a million times. It's never an informational issue. All the information is right before. They know God exists. They know it's him that's doing it. And as Romans 1 says, they know they deserve it. Mm. Romans 1 says they know they deserve death for doing these things, and they do it anyway. It's, it's Romans 1 now manifested publicly with, with no shame, with cursing God right there. And I, I got to be honest, I don't think we're that far away. Mm. Like, when you look at our culture, mm-hmm. the shameless nature of our government and our leaders and our culture, mm-hmm. are we really that far from this? No. No. Nope. I mean, obviously, we're not in the tribulation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're definitely then not in the great tribulation. I'm not saying that at all. But I got to tell you, man, we, we're not far. Yeah. We're not far. I, I don't, I'm not making dates and I'm not... Who knows? Maybe not far as a thousand years. The Lord could be gracious and stay his hand and and send a revival. And I pray that. I really do for the salvation of the lost. I do. But when I look at our culture and look at scripture, and I see the wickedness, all the murders lately, all the shootings, all the stabbings, mm-hmm. the the wicked it's like it's 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 escalating and pe- everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's escalating at a rate like I've never seen in my lifetime. You've got debauchery, you've got wickedness, you've got, I mean, homosexuality isn't even an issue now. The, the sin of debauchery is so much greater than homosexuality. Homosexuality almost looks as, as safe, right, because of yeah. what's going on now with 
transgenderism and 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 gender gender transitions mm-hmm. where you're having mutilation of children and yeah. and I mean it's just like where what in the world yeah. and it's going so fast mm-hmm. just I mean in my lifetime we went from in my lifetime where homosexuality was was uh, there were still states in our in in the union where there were laws against it mm. sodomy laws mm-hmm. right against sodomy mm-hmm. right that's what we called it now it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. right there were laws in in our, in our generation mm-hmm. there were still laws in the now that's all been wiped out and now they're passing the law that says protection of marriage act which is essentially to make it protected forever i mean it's just like that in one in one generation yeah we've gone from no you could be you could be fined and put in jail for mm-hmm. sodomy to where now it's like if you speak against a sodomite you could be thrown in jail mm-hmm. it's just like wait a minute how did we like whiplash mm-hmm. and now you throw all the other debauchery with everything that's going on and the murders and the lies and the and the wickedness it's just like we you can see, and it's global. It's not just local, right? There were always, I grew up in a, not far from a town that was very famous for homosexuality. It was one of the most homosexual towns in West Virginia. And so that we all knew that, and it was obvious there. But the rest of the town, you know, that stuff wasn't seen, wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now it's everywhere. It's, it's global. It's in every nation. It's, it's sad, and that's just one sin. There's, I mean, all the sins. So I just see this. Um, we are obviously, as Paul says, we are in the last days. We've been in the last days since Christ ascended. But we are escalating quicker and quicker each year. Mm-hmm. I feel like the sand, you know, the sand in an hourglass. Mm-hmm. How, how the more sand that goes out, it actually doesn't slow down. It gets faster, mm-hmm. right? When the sand is get, getting towards the end, it's, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost when you watch it, you know, mm-hmm. visually, it looks like it's going faster. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. Yeah. It's like we've lost a lot of sand in the, in the sovereign timetable of God, and we are getting to the end. And it's just like, man, I don't know when that end's coming, but it would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Would not surprise me if, you know, if we're raptured, I mean, i.e. us, mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me one bit. Like, I expect it. I'm looking forward to it. I Every day I'm looking looking to the sky and saying, Lord, today, Maranatha, come. Mm-hmm. But um, it is it is a sobering thought yeah. to watch the world spiral down the drain of self-destruction and to see it exponentially faster. That's kind of really grabs my attention and it's like, and, and and I say to myself, what is going on? And then I go, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. The stage is being set. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, everything's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing of, of this. This is the ultimate day, the day of the Lord, the tribulation, all of this. Mm-hmm. Everything we're seeing is a microcosm of what it's going to be like then mm-hmm. when God casts out his judgments. And so... Yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good cuz you uh I didn't write it down. I was looking for it, but uh a, a few I'd say wow, probably 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. Uh when I first started to uh understand uh theology rightly, I was listening to certain people. And uh since this subject has been always been something that fascinated me, uh, meaning I was very interesting in, uh, interested in it, uh, I was listening to Vody Bacham when he was uh, pastoring his church in, yep. uh, in Texas. Yep. And uh, he, 
he did a sermon, uh, well, a sermon series on Revelation, but he uh, he said you, you cannot study Revelation without studying Daniel at the same time. Yep. So he was jumping back and forth between those books. And uh, he brought up this whole idea, not idea, but he kind of taught on it. And I found it, but then I, I, I didn't write it down where it was. But he was talking about, and you mentioned it really briefly, uh, two messengers mm-hmm. uh, from from heaven yep. uh, coming down to earth, yep. just preaching the gospel. Revelation 11. Okay. Yep. And um, the what, witnesses. Yeah, the two witnesses, yeah. And, and uh, he said that uh, it may be, not saying definitely, yeah. but it may be Elijah and uh, uh, Moses. Moses. Okay. Yeah, that's very, that's a very common theory. No one knows. Okay. No one knows for sure. I think, I think, um, Moses and Elijah, um, is a, is a very, uh, viable option. Mm-hmm. And cause they've been to earth before, <laughs> uh, uh, well back to earth before yes. uh, that and was recorded. Yes. So if you go back in Mark to yeah. Mark nine, mm-hmm. uh, you just have to be, you have to be, uh, stunned in the right sense, theologically, when you see the Mount of Transfiguration, which is unbelievable opportunity that uh, Peter, James, and John got to see the glorified Christ, mm-hmm. and all that goes on there is like earth-shattering and awesome. Well, what do, what do they get to see? Not only the glorification of Christ, but I think, I think in some ways they get to see the manifestation of the revelation of Christ in his eschatological glory as king, right? And I find it interesting that who appears with Christ, and it's Elijah and Moses. Right. So it's it's not just two unnamed angels or two unnamed prophets. They're specifically named, and it's Elijah and Moses. And it says they're talking with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're talking um, with Jesus about all that's going on and all that will happen. And mm-hmm. obviously Elijah and Moses play a pretty big role leading up to Christ, right? And Moses, you know, Moses really in some ways the first prophet and, uh, and, uh, and then obviously Elijah in many ways, one of the last prophets. And, and so they can encompass it all, but yeah, so that's where that theory comes from. And they, and they do miracles mm-hmm. and Moses and Elijah did the most miracles okay. in the old Testament. Yeah. So yeah, I, the, the thing about it is, is like, when he was kind of talking through that whole scenario. Yep. One thing that really shocked me was that, and he kind of mentioned it, how you were mentioning, like there's all these effects that happen from all of these, you know, uh, uh, you know, disasters that, you know, God is allowing on the earth and and putting on the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, What he said was they, and and they explained it here in uh, Revelation 11, uh, that they are going to be killed mm-hmm. and then they're going to rise from the dead. Now, the way that Vody explained it is like, well, if you think about it, all the technology that we have, there will very easily, you know, people will be able to show this real time. Yeah. You know, on their social media accounts, you know, totally. news coverage, they're going to see them slain in the street and then them rise again. Yep. On, in three days, I think it was. Yep. You know, that is, to me, it's like, they're sitting they're they're they're, pre- they're walking the streets preaching the gospel. Yep. They're seeing this, they're hearing this angel from heaven mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. going throughout the heavens, you know, uh, sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. and they're still shaking their fist at God. Oh yeah, no, I, absolutely, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. was that accurate? Was that kind of like a good? I, I, yeah, I don't want to dig too deep. Well, in, it's Revelation eleven. Okay, and that's what you're. You, yeah, for three and a half days, they'll they'll be uh, actually they'll for for a time, likely the first uh, three and a half years, or or in that time frame. They'll be they'll be uh, preaching the word, evangelizing, confronting the government, confronting the antichrist, confronting people, and no one will be able to hurt them. And if anybody tries to, they can bring judgment down upon them and kill them. Literally, it says fire will come out of their mouth. No doubt they'll call fire down from heaven. And Rome, Revelation eleven speaks of the plagues they will bring, and it's it's exactly what Moses did and exactly what Elijah did. So. That's where a lot of that theory comes from mm-hmm. when they bring plagues and, and do what they do. But uh, then uh, Christ will allow them to die. So no one will be able to kill them. They cannot be die. They cannot be killed. They cannot be hurt. Anybody that tries to hurt them will die. And so no one will mess with them. But everyone will hate them mm-hmm. because, because, again, they're preaching the word just like you know every, every faithful prophet of old and every faithful preacher is ultimately hated for preaching the word and mm-hmm. so they will be as well and they will you know want to take out they can't take their wrath out on on god because it can't get to him so they'll they'll seek to kill these people well eventually god will let them die he will let them be killed and they will and they'll throw a huge party for three and a half days mm-hmm. And that's where you're saying everybody will be able to see it. Everybody will be a part about it. The whole world will stop and celebrate. They'll have their bodies in the streets like trophies. And then they come back to life, r- raised from the dead, mm. you know, and everyone will see it. Mm-hmm. And again, you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord will rapture them, multiple raptures in the Bible, by the way. He will pull them out and they'll be gone, right? And so, um, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty fascinating to see the denial of man and the wickedness of man and the depth of man's wickedness. And you brought it up, but I think it's interesting on a side note. This is a side note, but I think I'm just going to throw it out there because you know I like to do that. Revelation 11, it's literally everything we're just talking about. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie on the street of the great city that, now watch it, symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some of the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their bodies, dead bodies, and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents like Christmas, because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Now, I find it interesting, right, that a preterist sees all of this as symbolic, as already happened right? All of this is already fulfilled in AD 70. Well, I say, when did this happen in AD 70? Yeah. Nothing like this happened in AD 70. Right. Like not even close. So then they would say, well, it's symbolism. It's refer- referencing this. I'm like, okay, so if it's all symbolism, then why does the scripture itself say, well, the, the, the name of the city is going to be symbolically called mm. Sodom and Egypt. If it's all already symbolism, why does the Bible need to say, well, this part is symbolic? Right. Right. 
Yeah, that's weird. There is symbolism in the Bible, mm-hmm. undeniably. But when it's there, it's pretty obvious that it's there. Either mm-hmm. it's because it's a figure of speech, like a simile and a metaphor or whatever, or it literally says this is symbolic. Mm-hmm. So we don't deny that there's symbolism. But to take, essentially, Revelation 6 to 20 and symbolize it is just unhelpful and and uh, uh, unhealthy hermeneutics. Mm. I mean, you see it right there. Just, that's just a side note. Well, since you're on that side note, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, verse 8, I need you to explain that, the, the very last sentence yes. where also their Lord was crucified. Yes. Whose Lord? Yes. Um, so, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom in Egypt where their Lord was crucified. I have to go back and look. That might be, um, that might be Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. But by this point, it's called Sodom and Egypt because, again, the Antichrist is ruling and the people right. are wicked and all of that. And right. it, had come, it had become a place like Sodom mm-hmm. and, Egypt, and, and Egypt. So I have to, I'll, I'll go back and look. Because it's not, it's, it's capital L, but it's not capital L-O-R-D. So yes. yeah, I, have I would to go, imagine it's I, not talking about Jesus, but their Lord, yep. meaning a person of authority. Yeah, I have to I have to go back and look and see if this is in reference to Babylon or or what. Right. Yep. Okay. So let's get back to <laughs> Yeah, this that's that's a nice I, little I think it's Jerusalem, but we'll, yeah. I'll 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 look. Nice rabbit trail, but I like it. I want to I want to yeah. We have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is great stuff. So, okay. So, uh Revelation 16, uh we were there, but um there's there's all this stuff in the news. I would say I would call it noise about uh, people taking the mark of the beast. Yeah, and um, you know I'm I'm not very worried about it because from my understanding of scripture, the rapture will take place and then yep. it's the mark of the beast. Yeah, because yeah. that's in the first part of the tribulation, yeah. correct? Yeah, the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast does not come until the great tribulation. So we we are uh, the and 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 follow scripture. This is similar to what happened in Second Thessalonians and why Paul wrote the letter. Second Thessalonians was in part because of eschatological false teaching. And mm-hmm. so so he he makes it really clear that the Thessalonican believers did not miss the return of the Lord, did not miss the coming of Christ, and in many ways didn't miss the rapture because all of those things will not happen until the man of lawlessness is revealed, i.e. the Antichrist. Well, that hasn't happened, right, mm-hmm. obviously. And, and when we know it's not going to happen for various reasons until some things come into place. But um, so, yeah, no, I mean, so whatever, whatever people are saying, this is the mark of the beast or that is the mark of the beast, just tune it out mm-hmm. because it's not biblical at all, and that's using Scripture uh, for personal soapboxes and preferences, and then people do that with eschatology all the time. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. Now, that's not to say that there aren't things that do happen that foreshadow the mark of the beast. Right. I think a a, a passport for a vaccine shot or whatever is not the mark of the beast. Anybody that says that just just is either uh, ignorant of scripture or twisting scripture. It's one or the other, mm-hmm. right? Um, for sure. Uh, for the personal gain, for personal praise, or whatever, or just ignorant and just you know not studied, not taught, whatever. Um, however, I do believe 
without a shadow of a doubt that those things do foreshadow, mm-hmm. meaning they point ahead and say, look, look how easily right. this kind of thing happened here. This mm-hmm. isn't that thing, mm-hmm. but it's only two steps from this thing to that thing. Mm-hmm. That's a foreshadowing. And that's what everything, so that's where people um, fall off the horse eschatologically because they try to take a modern contemporary event whether it's an earthquake, whether it's a governmental overreach, whether it's a, a, a an antichrist-like person who's ruling and reigning and showing the charisma and, and the deception of the future antichrist, whatever. And they see these things, and they try to wholesale throw all of eschatology on it and say, yep, there it is. He's the antichrist, you know, or, right. or this is the mark of the beast. And it's like, no, you, no, no, don't do that. Don't go zero to 60. Mm-hmm. Follow good hermeneutics, follow good sound logic and theology, and and realize, no, that's not it, obviously. It's obviously not it. The Scripture's pretty clear on these things. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't deny that what you're looking at is either the spirit of the Antichrist, a deceiver, a false teacher. All false teachers are the spirit of the Antichrist. And that doesn't deny the fact that a, uh, a governmental overreach with passports and, and uh, with uh, vaccine passports that we have seen, they, they foreshadow that with the utmost clarity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can't deny that, mm-hmm. where the government is demanding that you get this or else you can't enter here. You can't come into this country. You can't do business with this country. You can't do this. You can't buy. You can't sell. You can't do anything. So it's just like, yeah. It's yeah. not the cor- uh, direct correlation. Mm-hmm. A vaccine passport is not the mark of the beast, without question. Mm-hmm. Nobody be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. However, what the vaccine passport has shown is how quickly a government, especially a one-world government, mm. and how quickly we don't have a one-world government yet, but we don't even have a one-world government, and basically the whole world, not everyone, but just about the whole world, meaning every nation, pretty much all did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now imagine how quickly that would happen when you had one leader, one person, yeah. one group. Mm-hmm. So, so they foreshadow, they show us, okay, we're getting close when these things are starting to rumble, right? It's like the earthquake's coming, but it's not here yet, but I can hear it. And it's just like, yeah, that's what that is, but it's not, it's not the actual event. And that's what I kept trying to show in Mark 13 with the Olivet Discourse. I really believe what Christ is teaching really is the seven years of tribu- tribulation. I think the whole discourse is really is him lecturing on those seven years. I really do, from verse 5 all the way to, you know, 27. However, that doesn't deny that those first three and a half years are not the great tribulation. There's an escalation, and an increasing of intensity. What you have in those first three and a half years, though, in many ways is witnessed today in a microcosm, small local earthquakes, small wars, small plagues, mm-hmm. small you know, where it's lo- just local. Right. It's not global. It's not national. So we're not in that without question. Mm-hmm. However, what we see when we see those things, they're a foreshadowing of what's to come. Mm-hmm. It's like the Lord's literally rattling the cage in a specific spot saying, wake up. Wake up. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And every time there's a natural disaster, every time we see uh, evil, that's what it is. It's a call to repentance. And so so I don't deny that you can see many of the things in the first part of the tribulation from the time Christ ascended until now, and you will see that until the 
abomination of desolation. I believe that. I believe we we are watching a lot of those things, not the specific things. Yeah. The specific things when when the treaty is signed in Daniel 9:27, when that treaty is signed with the antichrist, that I believe that to be the timetable for those 7 years. So the hourglass we talked about it with the mm. sand. I believe when that treaty is signed, and again, I'm not going to die over this, but I think if you're going to do it timetable-wise, I don't think it's the rapture that turns the hourglass over for God in his divine timetable. I think it's the signing of, the, of that peace treaty. Mm-hmm. Be- and why do I say that? Because the scripture is very specific about timing. Mm-hmm. It's from the time he signs the covenant or the treaty with Israel to, to I think their temple's likely rebuilt by that time, but or they're in the process, and now they can offer sacrifices again there. I mean, it's bizarre, to, and, and they will need a peace treaty. Why? Because where is what's on the temple mount now is the Dome of the Rock, is the Islamic uh, holy site. So they will have to have a covenant from a world leader that says, no, you can't, because they couldn't do it now. You'd have a world war, right, for them. So you could see yeah. how this is going to have to happen. It's already bad. Yes, you can yeah. see how this is going to have to happen and why that treaty and that covenant from a world, and why that would he would have so much pull if he's able to bring peace between Islam and Judaism mm-hmm. and allow even Judaism to offer sacrifices in the most holy place, of which is a Muslim you know, uh, most sacred ground now. And so you can start to realize and go, wow, this is crazy. So I think, I think when you study Daniel out in correlation to, when you study Daniel 9 in correlation to Revelation 13, I think it is the signing of the peace treaty or the covenant he makes with Israel that then the hourglass is turned over. And because the scripture says it's in the middle of, of the seven years, three and a half years into that peace treaty, mm-hmm. that he breaks it, and he says, "I'm done with this." And then he goes after Israel to kill them and annihilate them, and that starts the great tribulation. And that's, yeah, that's why I think the timetable is more set by that, not by the rapture or anything else. Mm, gotcha. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so then, all right, the rapture's taking place. Now we're back to Revelation six two sixteen two. And the rapture, obviously, First Thessalonians four, uh, I think John fourteen even uh, yeah. speaks speaks to that. Yeah, I've go to prepare a place for you. Yeah, and I, and I had to ask you know the questions because you know obviously I'm thinking like, am I going to be around when all this is happening? No, and you, no. you mentioned it Sunday that yeah, uh, since this isn't in the text uh, in Mark, yeah, I'm uh, not thirteen, I'm, yeah, because it, it obviously it's a whole nother it's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother yeah. series of sermons to talk about that, but it's not in the text, and I don't I I, I want to spend time in the text mm-hmm. and get the Olivet discourse right, and the rapture is not in the Olivet discourse, so mm-hmm. I don't want to bring in more text because I believe in the rapture, um, but I don't. I don't want to bring that in and bring more questions where we already have a ton of questions right. to deal with. Let's deal with these questions first, and then we'll deal with that, mm-hmm. obviously, as it comes up in the text. But it's a good question, and and I just, I, I like to tell people, first of all, do you believe that, do you believe that the Bible teaches a rapture? And if you say no, then you have real problems, because most people would answer that no. Mm-hmm. They would say no. 
well, then you have to understand there are multiple raptures in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's, you know, for most people, they mock it and make fun of it and think it's like this weird, this weird doctrine made up by weird people. And it's just like, well, what happened to Enoch? He was raptured. Mm-hmm. What happens to Elijah? He was raptured. What happens to the two witnesses in Revelation 11? They're, they're raptured. You know, it's like, it's like you, you start to go, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, mm-hmm. right? And so there, there are these, again, foreshadowings of things that we think, well, that's crazy. Well, it's happened in the past. Obviously not on a, on a multi-person level that we obviously witness, but it's there. And the Lord obviously can do that. And, and uh, I think there's multiple passages that, that allude to this. And <clears throat> I think taking Scripture to say what it says, you've got John 14, you've got uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, you've got multiple passages. I think Revelation itself, where you have the church, ecclesia, mentioned nonstop at the beginning, you have seven letters to seven churches. And then starting in chapter 4, the church is not mentioned again in Revelation until you get to uh, chapter 19 with the Bride of Christ. Is it the... Yeah. Until you get to Revelation 19, uh, verse 7 and 8, the Bride of Christ who's in heaven. So I find it interesting... The marriage supper of the Lamb, starting in verse 6. So I find it interesting that something happens from Revelation 3, which is the end of the seven letters, tribulation after we go to the throne room in Revelation 4 and 5, then back to earth in Revelation 6 with the judgments that are coming. Where's the church? We don't see the church. We don't hear the church. It's just tribulational saints. It's earth. It's earth but no church is mentioned until you get to Revelation 19, the bride of Christ. And where is the church? They're in heaven. The bride of Christ right. is in heaven, mm-hmm. where they've been mm-hmm. since the rapture. So again, I, again, I'm not dying for the rapture. It's not one of those doctrines in my, in my box. However, I believe in it because I believe the study of Scripture reveals it. Mm-hmm. And um, when you take a historical, grammatical hermeneutic i think you end up there when you pull all these scriptures together and see the flow and so i just think it's fascinating to watch that the flow of revelation where clearly church 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 seven letters seven churches and then boom no church and then revelation 19 church again but church is in heaven with christ it's like where did we go Mm mm-hmm Where's the church been all along? And everything up to that point is obviously people are getting saved. Mm-hmm. And so obviously they become part of the people of God in the salvific sense, just like um, just like Israel that becomes saved now is part of the people of God, just like the church and all of that. So I'm, I'm not, I don't want to dissect that too much because I'm not 100% sure all that God is doing with that. But I do think there are clear distinctions between Israel and the church. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a clear distinction between tribulational saint, converted believer, and the church in this season, in this time frame. I think that's what you're witnessing there. So it just helps you, it helps you kind of get a little bit more yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, that, that helps. And then uh, post uh, post rapture, yes, all of these things start to happen. Yes, yes, and and, and I don't know. There's a there's 
there's clearly, I don't know the time, I don't know how long, I'm obviously, I don't think Scripture, I think Scripture alludes to this, I don't think it really gives this definitive, um, exactly all the rapture and how that will all happen, and then the timing of the signing of the peace, like, it, there's a time it has to happen. Mm. Is that a month? Is it two months? Is it a year? I don't know. I don't know, but I believe there's a time for sure. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a time gap there. There has to be in the if you take the numbers to be literal in scripture, the dates there has to be. And so what that time gap is, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, but I I see there being a gap there, which again, as you've learned, as you've seen me teach you, gaps in prophecy are normal. Mm-hmm. Right, Isaiah nine six. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a child and a son. You know, well, in, in, y- in one yep. in one sentence. Well, not even that. But then you have you have the child and the son who's given. Then you have the king who's ruling and reigning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like between nine six and nine seven. Mm-hmm. You got you got uh, millennia yeah. of time, right? Because that's the millennium when he rules and reigns and the government shall be on his shoulders. That's millennium. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. We're still waiting for the government to be on his shoulder. Government's not on his shoulders. Wow. Yeah. So we're still waiting. So we've nine, six is fulfilled. That's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Nine, seven has not been fulfilled. We're still waiting. So you can see how the prophecy, and obviously I've shown so many examples of that within the same exact verse, mm-hmm. you have this and that's the, what they call prophetic foreshortening where the prophets looked ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's good stuff. Uh, so uh, Revelation sixteen two talks about the boils and sores on uh, yep. those who took the mark of the beast. Um, then uh, the next verse, yep. I mean the 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 water has already been poisoned. There's darkness. Demons have been released. A third of the earth's population die. Uh, then I thought it was a little interesting. Revelation eleven thirteen that seven thousand died. Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting that that small amount was 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 who died. Yep. Uh, then boils and sores. Now the rest of the sea dies. So yep. no more no more bagels and locks. Uh, no more calamari. Nope. It's done. Nope. And no more lobster. No yeah. More, no none. More, no more crabs. Yeah. And and now no more water. Because no more, the no rest, more, no more mud bugs. <laughs> What's that? The crawfish? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I, I I deduced it from the from from the context, right. you know, Sorry. context. Yeah. Yeah. So, acorns and mud bugs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then the rest of the sea dies, uh, and then the rest of the fresh water turns to blood. Yep. I I was shocked by this because you know it's just what water is, how it feeds everything. You know, we, they've already lost a third of the ve- vegeta- uh, Earth's population, the vegetation, uh, the ocean. But then now all of the fresh water turns to blood. Mm. Um, I, w- I, yeah. I was just really shocked by that. Then, not just the people without melanin, everybody that goes outside burns. Yes. Um uh, shocking to me. I mean, no amount of uh, what's that stuff that that um, sunblock. I'm, sunblock. There it is. I don't use it that much, obviously. Mm, yeah, I just stay in the shade. <laughs> uh, Sorry. The, the rest of the <laughs> that that not no no amount of sunblock will 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 nope. keep you from that. Nope. Like I, we, I, unless unless you allowed the sun to block. What do you mean the sun to block? 
S-O-N. Oh. To block the wrath of God. I see what you did there. See? See? Yeah. Just saying. There you That's go. That's the problem. Yeah. It's they not put, enough sunblock. They're putting on the wrong sunblock. There, you, there it is. There it is. That might be another shirt. That. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sunblock do you have? What kind of sunblock are you, do you have? That's good. That's, I like that. Sunblock or sunblock? Which one? <laughs> Because that's what he does. Yep. He takes the wrath. There you go. Sorry. That's, I digress. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, we talked about it before. Euphrates dries up. And then uh, the final earthquake, when whole cities are destroyed, and then the massive hailstones that we yep. uh, have been talking about uh, uh, earlier. So that was your list of all the things that you're just kind of going down. And, and that was uh, a... That wasn't even an exhaustive Not exhaustive, list. yeah. I was just trying to, I gave all that in light of the character. And we're talking about the character of the tribulation at the beginning when he says in Mark 13 that, uh, 19, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And so, you know, we read that and think, and I, like I was saying, a preterist, a faithful preterist will use, will say that Jesus is speaking hyperbolically, mm-hmm. meaning he's using exaggeration to prove a point. And that happens in Scripture, and we do that, and obviously I'm not denying that that, that happens. I think uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is, is quite hyperbolic and to prove a point. However, in that text, it's pretty obvious he's speaking hyperbolically. In this text, there is no, there is no allusion to hyperbole at all. Mm-hmm. And if he starts speaking hyperbolically here, then what do you do with everything else that he's saying? Then is everything hyperbolic? Like, it makes no sense, mm-hmm. right? If he's hyperbolic, then why is he telling them to flee? Why is he telling them to get out? Why, is, Like, it's all of that hyperbole? And it's just like, ah, he's just exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Like, it, it defeats the whole point, mm-hmm. right? It, so, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. And obviously, exegetically, there's, there's nothing within the text itself that would give you warrant to call it hyperbole, mm-hmm. right? And so... So anyway, so we've got to understand what does he mean? Because it seems hyperbolic because how could this be greater than the flood? Because in the flood, the entire globe was killed. Well, there's a couple things that's interesting about that. Obviously, in the quantity of people that were killed at one time, nothing can compare to the flood, right? But are we talking about quantity of people or quality of torment? Mm. Because... In the flood, everyone dies somewhere, right? Somewhere within the 40-day period, mm-hmm. right? Where it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Likely within a few days. Maybe there were a few holdout West Virginians on the top of the mountain, right? That were at climbing up the pine trees at the top, you know, whatever. So you had no doubt people who lived in the mountains that lasted longer or whatever, mm-hmm. but they all eventually died, right? Because mm-hmm. it covered all the mountains. So, but the way, the way that all of that likely happened was more of it happened from the water coming up from the ground because of the earthquakes and the shifting of the plates and all of that than it did from coming down as well. So you probably had some torrential, uh, should we say, some floods that happened, some, some what, we, what we would call flash floods. That was like the flash flood of all time, right, right. where it's just like the water, and you're done. Mm-hmm. So most of the death and devastation that happened in the flood was pretty instantaneous. It was literally one, one event, 
It was the flood. Where in the tribulation, you have, unlike anything, that was one event. This is nonstop events. Multiple. Seven years. Yeah. You have nonstop events, seven years where people, but it's a, it's, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully or, uh, what's the right word? In, in any way am I degrading God by saying this because this is what he's doing. There is a tormenting factor in the tribulation by design where he's judging the earth again to awaken the elect so that they repent and believe but also to rightfully torment judge mankind for his rebellion and wickedness mm-hmm. well that go again mentally you're watching you're seeing all these people die you're hearing about it nonstop wars and rumors of wars you're hearing about the natural disasters you're seeing then the hailstones come down mm-hmm. i mean nothing like that happened in the flood mm-hmm. you were you heard about it and you were dead here, you're hearing about it. You're going to bed at night, tormented, wondering whether or not tonight's your night. I mean, that's what the text says. They went into caves and they prayed they would die, but they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. God, God didn't let those who lived die. He, he kept them alive to continue to bring judgment upon them. Because why? They looked at him and cursed him, but they wanted to die. There was nothing like that in mm-hmm. the flood, not, not at all. Mm-hmm. And so that's... Again, now you start to realize this is unlike anything. The plagues of Egypt were bad, and yet there were only 10. And that was local. That was one nation. Now imagine the plagues of Egypt that go on for seven years, and it's global. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting somewhere. So flood doesn't compare in the quality of judgment and torment and the, shall we say, the agony, the agony that you know, drowning is pretty horrific, but it's done. Boils and sores and heat and scorching heat and poisoned water. And you're, you're watching. It's like a slow death. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to die, just, just, just kill me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, nope, this is, you're going to get the slow death. You're going you're gonna to watch these judgments happen, and you're going you're gonna to be judged in the process. And so, yeah, it's so... I read all those and pulled all those together, not because it's exhaustive, but because I think it's clarifying to show nothing like this has ever happened before. Mm-hmm. You, we've got foreshadowings in the flood. We've got foreshadowings in the plagues of Egypt, but those are, those are minimal compared to what's going on here over the course of seven years. Mm. And it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I was reading um, about the demons uh, that were going to be released and they were talking about the, the, the locusts. Yes. Having like uh, yes. like faces. Yes. And, and I'm like, first of all, <laughs> a, a grasshopper or locust yeah. looking up at me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be done. Yeah. Like, that is that is not something it, I want to see. And, and again, some of this stuff we... It, some of this, it's like, uh, as, as it was for Israel, so it is for us. And sometimes we get so arrogant and, and uh, yeah, arrogance the right word, arrogant, because we look at it and go, how can this be? What is this? I mean, what, what are they describing? And we, we see it you know, almost like foolishness mm-hmm. or, or ridiculousness. And yet we fail to realize, we fail to listen to Israel. Like they did the same thing. Yeah. How could this be? How could this Messiah be crucified? How could this yeah. be? This is, you know, they did the same exact thing mm-hmm. because obviously looking forward, it's always hard to see clear. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is. You always see clear when you look back. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so we have to remember that 
we have to remember that lesson. How can the how how is the temple going to be rebuilt? Yeah, Ezekiel Ezekiel's crazy. There's not going to be any rebuilt temple. It's like well, you read scripture. They're pretty much. It's pretty clear. It's going to be. Yeah. How it's going to be rebuilt? When it's going to re- be rebuilt? How that's all going to work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's kind of the same thing when the Messiah was going to come and he was going to be born and he was going to be a man and everybody's like, how is that going to happen? And it happened. Mm-hmm. So is this. I don't know how it's all going to come together. But I know it will because that's what Scripture says. Yeah. And I know once it does, and we're in heaven, i.e., the bride of Christ, and then we're watching all of this play out in some form or fashion, or when we return with Him, it will it will be so clear to us at mm-hmm. that time. In the meantime, it gets clearer as we study it by the Holy Spirit's blessing as our teacher. But in the meantime, we have a lot to just trust Him in. Mm-hmm. We just got to trust Him. Yeah. And as we're getting. Yeah, coming down and putting the landing gear down, you mentioned something uh, about the preserved elect. And I think I got the right scripture. Uh, one was Zechariah 13, and then you, you know, went back to Mark 13. But uh, I want to know, you know, what what that's all about. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, the preserved elect. So this is another one of these prophecies where you have this gap. So in Mark, uh, Zechariah 13, starting verse seven, you have, uh, a prophecy about Christ, essentially Christ's death, um, the Messiah. So it says, verse seven, awake, O sword against my shepherd. That would be, uh, uh, that would be Christ against the man who stands next to me pretty obvious, that's Christ, Mm -hmm. declares the Lord of hosts, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You've heard that verse used many times Mm -hmm. around the crucifixion of Christ. Mm -hmm. And obviously they struck him and all the disciples left him. And obviously that's, that's what's being prophesied here. I will turn my hand against the little ones, right? And so um, that's, that's the prophecy of verse seven. Now watch verse eight. In the whole land, declares the Lord, Two-thirds shall be cut off and perish. One-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. I believe what you've got here in in Zechariah 13, 7 is a prophecy about the first advent, the crucifixion of Christ. Starting in verse 8 and 9, you have a prophecy of the second advent and the tribulation of which God is now pulling his little ones back in, mm-hmm. his elect. And I think what happens in the great tribulation is two-thirds of the Jews, because the tribulation is primarily um, about the Jewish people. It involves the whole globe. So God is judging the world. So it's it's Gentile in nature in that he's judging the world and unbelievers, as well as continuing to save Gentiles during the tribulation. Mm-hmm. However, there's also a major part of the tribulation, and I think it's the, it's the main point, is the Jews. And it's the setting up of Jerusalem and the Jewish nation for him to come back as their king and by extension then the king of the world which is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And so it's Jewish in nature, which is what Gabriel told Daniel in Daniel 9, that the 70 weeks are dealing with his people, and that 70, 70th week is the tribulation. Mm-hmm. So it's dealing with the Jews, and so much we see in Revelation is focused on Jerusalem. I think 
back to the two witnesses. I think they're in Jerusalem. Right. That's where Christ was crucified. But Jerusalem is so debauched now because the Antichrist has set up his own idol in the temple. It's become like Sodom and Gomorrah, and you can tell they're partying with the dead guys in the streets. It sounds like Egypt. It's pagan. It's wicked. So, so, so much is going on there. And so I think during that time, during that seven years, you've got two-thirds of the Jews are going to die as part of judgment on them while the whole world is being judged by God as well. But there is a third, a third of the Jews who are elect, hmm. which goes back to uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11, that the calling of Israel, the election of Israel is irrevocable. It is unstoppable. Paul says it in Romans 11. You cannot stop the fact that God will save Israel. And he says in Romans 9, not all Israel, not all Israel, right. because not all Israel is Israel. Mm-hmm. Just because, he's not talking about national. He's talking about spiritual, right? The reality of, of the fact that just because you're a Jew nationally doesn't mean you'll be saved. Not if you're not chosen by the Lord, mm-hmm. meaning the circumcised heart where you've repented and believed, right? Because you're one of his. Well, that will happen in the end. In the end, those who are left, who have been refined through the tribulation, who have reached a point where they're done with their system, mm-hmm. they're done with themselves, and they're going to do what we've obviously done because of the gospel. We've repented of our sins and trusted in Christ. We've denied ourselves, taken up the cross, and followed Christ. That's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. as he's coming through the clouds, which I'll preach on Sunday, mm-hmm. they're going to see him, and that's when they're going to go, He's the one that we've crucified. Mm-hmm. God, for, for, forgive us, mm-hmm. right? And obviously they'll repent. And, and obviously they'll be doing that all the way through certain ones. And so I believe what is happening here is literally what I just said, because he goes on in Zechariah 14 and keeps going with it. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the elect of Mark 13. Obviously it involves Gentiles and Jews together, but specifically I think he's again zeroing in on, on the... Um, on the Jews, of which I'll talk again on Sunday. That's what I was thinking of. I'll talk about that again on Sunday because the last verse in the text we're in on Sunday talks about when he finally comes back to earth and he lands in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. Splits in two. Splits in two, but then he sends out the angels to the four corners of the globe Mm -hmm. to gather his people together. And I think he's going to be, you know, primarily talking about the Jews who have been scattered and they're all brought back in, and yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Man, it's a lot of stuff. I uh, we are almost at a at a at an hour and, and thirty minutes on on this podcast. So I'm, I'm, we're going to end here. Uh, there, that is not even a third of what we could actually talk about because there's so many notes and and so many questions that I. Uh, I've had uh, one of the big things that we did not talk about and I want to talk about is the dragon and the woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's know. a that's a confusing passage. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm very. And I think I think this 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 what we just read in Zechariah correlates to that. Yeah. And that's the dragons. Out, he's out to kill the Jews. And he is right. as well as any any believer, not mm-hmm. just the Jews, because, again, it's not just the Jews, but it has a focus on the Jews. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why we need to talk about it, because I, I kind of see how everything is going. But it's like, all right, I just need those. those missing that passage pieces. that confused me for years. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's it is a confusing passage. If you're if again, if you're not seeing it in the picture as a whole. But it begins to come together when you start to see and you're just like, oh, wow, this makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my old pastor preached on it uh, 
they did a whole series on it, and yeah. I still don't understand it. Yeah. But the other thing is too is the uh, it was always a twist towards you know us and yeah you know it's it's a selfish you know uh, yeah. uh, you know <laughs> narcissist that was just kind of coming out of that that those sermons so. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. Go check out the uh, merch site, which I'll leave here in the uh, the show notes. And uh, here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I can find the button to where it is. All right, here you go. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure his purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin and so be a just judge and yet forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day. Be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.